I'm going to hold on for a second for a siren. I'm hearing the same siren because I'm across the street. Hilarious. <laughs> What's up, nerds? It's basketball. Welcome to Horse, a basketball podcast about everything except for the wins and losses. My name is Mike Schubert, and I'm joined by my trusted co-host, the Gordon Hayward once having luscious locks of hair to Gordon Hayward now having potentially the worst haircut in the entire NBA. It's Adam Amwala. Adam, how's it going? What in the Ozarks <laughs> is happening with that man's head? I mean, just a really unbelievably bad haircut for someone who is a millionaire many times over. It's very sad because his hair was once so good. His hair was once an inspiration for me. I used to go to barbers and just show them a picture of Gordon Hayward and say, can I please have this? Especially when I would get my hair cut in countries where English was not the first language. I would just go, huh? And they would go, ah, and then boom, <laughs> easy peasy. But now I fear if I say, give me the Gordon Hayward somewhere else, that they'll give me whatever the heck his new haircut is, which we will have to put a link to. Summary of it, it's really bad. It's really, really bad. To people who are just listening to this and will never even look up a photo, <laughs> how could we describe what it is? It's like weirdly... I, I think I actually have a good... Miss, yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, it looks like when I get my haircut, because if anyone hasn't seen my hair, I kind of have like a little buzz on the side, longer on the top situation. It looks like when the haircutters cut my hair and they do all of the buzzing on my sides first, and then they are about to get ready to <laughs> trim up the top to make it look good, but then they just stopped. <sighs> but then it's still like in the shape of a mohawk. It's really weird. And it's not even like I think Gordon Hayward's only like in his mid thirties. Like he's got, he can only be like, he can't be older than 32. But I don't know if this is like a, a haircut that the kids are having, but I don't think it is. So I don't know who in the Charlotte area inspired him to get this haircut, but it's really bad. He's 32 years old. I nailed it. I want to know how much he paid for it. That's my real, like if he oh, paid $500 yeah. for that haircut, which I assume he pays for because he's rich, mm -hmm. it's a fireable offense, both for him for choosing it and the person who who agreed to do it to his head. Because it doesn't even look even. It looks like a bully haircut. Like it somehow, yes. something about yes. his face and the haircut reminds me of like the mean kid in a Christmas story. Mm -hmm. Yep. I can't explain why, it just does. <laughs> he looks like he should be I don't know, like one of those bullies like from 90s cartoons that would have like a southern accent and a rat tail going on. It's like that kind of kid. Yes. Yep. But he's so not that. I don't know who told him to get this haircut. And of all times to do it, he got it cut right before NBA Media Day, where you take <laughs> lots of photos and videos. Like that's the kind of thing. If you're going to do a big risky haircut, you have to do it like the day after the season ends when no one's going to see you. That's something I've always thought of as like, if I ever do want to change my hair, which I don't have a desire to do now, but I imagine at some point I'll get old enough to be like, I don't want to deal with this hair. It is a lot of work. Let me get a more simplified haircut. I'm going to do it in a situation with very low stakes, you know, like right. sometime where I don't have any live shows planned. Maybe it's around the holidays or something. And all I'm seeing is my family who loves me very dearly. <laughs> if you're making big changes, you got to You got to test run it the day before NBA media day. What are you doing? Well, as a person who makes their living recording audio that people can't see your face during, <laughs> do you feel like people 
people would pick up on the fact that you have changed your hair even if they couldn't see you? It would solely depend on what photos of me were posted online. So as long as I didn't have any sort of live public mm. situation, like a live show or a convention right. or something like that, I think I would be safe. I just didn't know if you were like Samson, if like your, your podcasting ability comes from your hair. I usually don't do my hair before the podcast, so I don't think it is, but the potential is always there. <laughs> but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I would be okay unless there was a live appearance in the mix. That's fair. Gordon, we hope you're doing all right. Hopefully you can fix it. I mean, we're recording this on October 20th. I don't think the uh, the Hornets have had a game yet, but I believe they're going to play. I would not be surprised if he has a new haircut by game time if it's just completely no. buzzed. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. You know one place where they don't give terrible haircuts like that? Whoa, the Teal Memorial locker room? You know, teal is the color of the Hornets, but there are no shitty haircuts given in that locker room. Wow, look at that transition. My goodness. <laughs> so yes, we're here in the Teal Memorial locker room. You know, Aside from amazing haircuts, you know who else is here? Probably our patrons, especially our newest patron. Yes. So shout out to our newest patron, Zumzum Koheji. And Zumzum sent a note saying, hey guys, I became a patron for the sole reason of telling you that I, all caps, went to my first NBA game. I don't think the interest would have been there if I wasn't a horse listener since 2019. I went to the Abu Dhabi games match between the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. I got to see some NBA players play like Trey Young and some sit on the bench like Giannis, but overall it was an <laughs> Unmissable experience. Shaq, Isaiah Thomas, and Vince Carter were all there for the Legends dinner. Paid meet and greet, but I did not go. Smart decision. Isaiah Thomas, if it's the old one, not the new one. If it's Piston Isaiah Thomas, that guy is a terrible person with assault cases. So good decision not to pay. But Shaq, pretty good. Yeah. And they attended the games and said hi to fans. I hope anyone that can't make it to a US game can at least one day go to one of these. Thanks for making the podcast. It is truly one of my faves. Please keep doing Birdwatch. I can never get enough of Sue. And that's the end of the message. Yeah. But that's pretty cool to see a game in Abu Dhabi. Yeah. And that's why I think it's cool that the NBA is doing more of these global preseason games. They did one this season in Japan. They did the Abu Dhabi game. I think in years past, they've done ones in, I think, Mexico City and maybe Africa. I don't know if the Africa was a preseason game or it was just one of the like special event kind of things. But I love the NBA expanding to more international countries to perform, if you will. Just not only for growing the game and getting international interest for kids wanting to play, but also just for fans who get to see it and can't necessarily afford a trip to the U.S. So I think it's super cool. Yeah, agreed. Mm -hmm. And what else is super cool is our existing list of producer-level patrons supporting the show on a regular basis. So shout out to Polly Burridge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Trevon Ellsbury, He Sells Seashells, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Long-Suffering Timberwolves Fan, Roast Beef Debris, Cade the Conqueror, Basketball's Life 2, Michaela Loves Allison, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Borgeli, Weird Questions, Steph Curry, Thor Free. Bang! Lobster Bisquay, Hi Trish, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Nicole Arsenault. So, yeah, yeah, lovely crew. And a quick apology to Nicole Arsenault, who has been our producer-level patron this whole time, but Patreon was being weird and she wasn't showing up, so she didn't get the shout-outs the last couple episodes. So uh, we're going to give multiple extra shout-outs right now. Shout-out to Nicole Arsenault. Your turn. Shout-out to Nicole Arsenault. Shout-outs have been given. Nicole, we apologize, but thank you for your patronage. <laughs> Uh, speaking of financial support for the podcast, you know what else we've got going on in this episode? I have to assume we have a sponsor. We do have a sponsor, and that sponsor is Shaker and Spoon. Shaker and Spoon is a delivery service that sends you all of the fixins and mixins and instructions to make a 
set of cocktails. You just have to provide the booze. They provide everything else. And you can make three different types of drinks, four servings of each, all using the same liquor. I appreciate it because usually the drinks are very different. I've done a tequila one where one was spicy, one was sweet, and one was sour. It's just a fun time. If you have friends over, you can say, look, look at me go. I can make fancy drinks. Maybe you're having some friends over to watch the new NBA season, which as of recording debuted last night. And you can get $20 off your first box. If you go to shakerandspoon.com slash horse, you'll get $20 off. And the boxes are usually between 40 and 50 bucks. So it's about 50% off. Pretty good deal. Shakerandspoon.com slash horse. I love that you gave it a little Walt Clyde Frazier flair there with the uh, fixing and mixing. Mm -hmm. Look, I'm trying to get into real true mid-season form got to ramp it up like Walt is and you know sometimes you got to be rhyming and it's timing for the rhyming and that's what it was shaker and spoon fixing and mixing removing the thinking from your drinking oh and on that note we can now move on to nbqna what do we have adam we have a very pertinent question as we head into not only the nba season but also the fantasy nba season this question comes from one of our listeners jerry subject line says q a fantasy basketball hey mike and adam i've been trying to get into fantasy basketball this season and was hoping you guys could give a basic rundown how does it work are there different formats good strategies etc thanks jerry well jerry Mike has been trying to get out of fantasy basketball, and he has done it successfully. Uh, we were in a league last year together. Uh, speaking of which, we are, we're going to need to talk about our bets for this coming season. That's true. That's true. But basically, the way that fantasy basketball or any fantasy sports work, it depends on the format. So sometimes it is like a head-to-head matchup where you're going against one particular team every week. Other times, it's just a matter of how many points you accumulate. But the basic idea is that different point values are assigned to different things that someone might do on a basketball court. So let's say for every point you score, you get one point. Or for every rebound or assist or block, you get a point. But then it gets into more of the minutiae where there are things like assist to turnover ratio. So if you are a great passer, but you don't turn the ball over, that is better for your team. Mm -hmm. Do you want to elaborate here? Sure. There's also a lot of leagues that do category leagues where you will go head to head against someone else's team. So say, I have my team, Adam has his team, we're going head to head, and there will be usually an odd number of categories, and there will be points, or three point percentage, or free throw percentage, or blocks, and basically if my team over the course of a week does better in the category than Adam's, I would get the win, so one point, and say I win seven of the categories, and Adam wins six of the categories. That would go in as a win for me, depending on how your league works. It could just be a straight up win or in the league that Adam and I were in for the past two years, I would get seven wins and six losses. So that usually is more fair because if you completely blow someone out, you should be more rewarded. And if it's a really close one, like the seven to six example I just gave, it shouldn't be as significant. So every league runs differently. Obviously, before all this, you have a draft. Drafts can even run differently where... Some drafts, the more standard way is a serpentine draft where, you know, say there's five teams in the league, you would get your pick order, one, two, three, four, five, and then it would go five, four, three, two, one, and then back and forth. So whoever had the fifth pick then gets the sixth pick, so they get to go back to back, Mm -hmm. which can be advantageous. There's also some leagues like the one fantasy league that I am doing this year. I am doing my bad on purpose fantasy league with my buddy Ricky. And we got 
three or four horse listeners. We got four horse listeners into the mix because we were a couple spots Amazing. short. So I just tweeted out like, hey, anyone want to join? And we got some people in the mix. That's so that's cool. fun. But that one is an auction draft where you have like a set of fake money and then you draft players out. So if you're doing a good one, it would be like, oh, Steph Curry would be like $100 and every team might have $200 to auction with. But then it's truly like, oh, I bet 99 and then someone goes, ah, I bet 100 and then everybody waits and it's like going once, going twice. So those right. are really stressful. But for our league, it's funny because you're betting on players that are bad and then you're trying to like wait out certain things and get people at the end. It makes the dynamic very silly. Right. And what can be tough about the auction style draft is that if you're someone like Mike or myself who are big fans of a certain team, other people inevitably assume that you want, you know, I would want the Bulls and and mm -hmm. Tubes would want some of the Knicks players so they can like intentionally drive the price up. Mm -hmm. But I've actually used that to my advantage where I'm like, I'm not going to just take a bull to take a bull. I'll let you think that I want them, mm -hmm. overbid for them, and then I just won't keep bidding. So there's, there's some strategy to it as well. I think the Serpentine draft is perfect for the league that you and I were in because uh, James, if you're listening, you son of a, you snake. You, all of your snake like trades that you offer me. You're one of my best friends, but man, you are a ruthless fantasy GM. But you know what? I respect it. But all that to say, Jerry, thank you for the question. Hopefully that has answered your question effectively. But the the overarching principle here is that fantasy basketball is not like real basketball. You have right. to accommodate whatever that league wants you to do. Meaning like mm -hmm. if certain stats are important, you draft your team that way. It's not about drafting like who would actually be the best team in real life. It's about kind of choosing what your strategy is and saying like, okay, I'm going to go for defense. So I'm going to draft guys who get a lot of blocks and rebounds and that sort of thing. I would say there's a bit of a learning curve, but uh, it's, a, it's a fun way to learn more about the league because you get to know players on different teams that you wouldn't necessarily get to see a lot otherwise. Yeah, I would say it very much depends on the league structure. Thankfully, a lot of the websites now will kind of look at whatever your league structure is and then rank the players or ESPN does like projected numbers. So they will project how many points your players would get based on the structure of the league and all that kind of stuff. So that stuff can help. But yeah, certain players are going to be great in some leagues. Other players are going to be bad in other leagues. Having team diversity is good. You don't want to have everybody that is just big men that get rebounds because you want to try to win the assist category, stuff like that. So it really depends on the league. But it is, I would say, a good way to like get to know other players and stuff. But just because someone is good at fantasy basketball doesn't mean they're good at real life basketball and the reverse. Just because you're good at real life basketball doesn't mean you're good at fantasy basketball. True. Especially if you're someone that's very good at defense oftentimes fantasy basketball will only track steals and blocks and steals and blocks are not always a good metric to determine if someone is actually very good at defense. You know, you can play incredible lockdown defense, but not actually end the play with a steal or a block. So it's not a one-to-one, -one, but it is kind of fun. And I usually do exactly what I did where I'll hop in, play like a season or two of real basketball and then take a couple of years off. So <laughs> I look forward to the episodes of horse in two or three years when I'm like, all right, let's get back on it. Love it. Now, with that complete, we can get into full court press. Get it like the news? Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, we already talked about Gordon Hayward's hair. We are doing this episode, the NBA drama draft. So I think we'll keep this pretty short and sweet. And what we talk about here will basically summarize whoever ends up drafting the Golden State Warriors. But there has been quite the saga about Draymond Green and Jordan Poole of late. You may have heard, you may have seen, but basically there was a practice of the Golden State Warriors where for whatever reason, Draymond Green got very upset at Jordan Poole 
and walked over, very much instigated a fight. Jordan Poole pushed him to kind of say, hey, get out of my face. And then Draymond Green fully went for a big old punch in the face and connected. They had to be separated and Draymond took time away from the team for a little bit. Thankfully, Jordan Poole is okay, wasn't injured, got a huge contract extension afterwards. So that's pretty cool. But there's probably some frustrations in that Jordan Poole got quote unquote Draymond's money. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think the Warriors are going to be paying Draymond Green because they wanted to pay Jordan Poole, who is just younger and has more upside. So it makes more sense. So that could be the frustration of why Draymond Green is mad because he's probably not going to get the contract extension that he wants because that money's being used to pay younger guys like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, who were essential to the Warriors title run this past season. But it was really not cool. And it was like, kind of a tough watch. I mean, we'll put the link to the video, but it was it was a big bad punch, not your normal NBA kind of quote unquote fight. He like really went all at his yeah, face. Yeah, I mean, much like McLovin, clearly Jordan Poole can take a punch because that <laughs> is a big man uh punching him and and for him to not really be injured is certainly a blessing because we've seen this before Bobby Portis who's now on the Milwaukee Bucks, formerly on the Chicago Bulls and the Knicks and a bunch of other teams. In the preseason, he punched uh former Bull Nikola Miritich in the face and I don't know if he broke his jaw or what he it was, did, but I mean, did. yeah, Miritich was out for like 20 or 30 games. Portis was suspended, I think, for 10 games, something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, amazingly, uh, Draymond Green was fined but was not suspended, which to me just feels like they want him to play. The league let them handle it in-house, which they did. And you know what? Maybe Draymond didn't get Jordan Poole's money, but uh, he still showed up to the opening night game in a bright green shiny suit and walked in saying, I look like money. So I guess he's still feeling okay. Yeah, the thing that I didn't like that Draymond did is that a couple days went by and then he did some sort of press conference thing. I think the team put it together where he was supposed to apologize to Jordan Poole, but his apology was a very bad apology because he said things to the effect of, I'm so sorry that what I did embarrassed Jordan Poole and his family, which kind of feels like, oh, so sorry I knocked your ass out and everybody saw it. Right. And then, I don't know if you saw this, did you see the like 10-minute documentary that they made about it for TNT? What the before hell? No. the first game? There was this video, and I'm sure there's a YouTube link to it, so we can link to it on our website on the episode page of horsehoops.com. But there was this like mini doc about it because Draymond... I don't know exactly what the title is, but he does media stuff with TNT during off seasons or when he was injured in the past or if the Warriors were ever like knocked out of the playoffs. He is an analyst kind of like Chuck and Shaq and Ernie. And there was this like 10 minute thing where he like talked about the situation and how it made him feel so bad and how he's trying to move on and all of this. It's like, you're at fault. You give a half-ass apology and then you make like a mini doc about how sorry you are. Like, I don't know. It's... A super weird look. Yeah. And apparently the Warriors explicitly told him, he also has a very popular podcast, the Warriors explicitly told him, do not podcast about this. So it's funny that he kind of was like, ah, yes, I will not podcast about this. Hello, TNT. Yes, let's make a documentary. That's not a podcast. <laughs> he's like, hey, I, yeah, I didn't podcast about it. I uh -huh. followed the rules. I feel like he might have had a foot out the door. I think there's a pretty good chance that this is the last season that we see Draymond and the Warriors. They'll ride it out. They'll try for one more championship run because he is essential to the team structure. But to retain him for the dollar amount he wants would be a lot of money. And I don't know that you want someone who punches people on the team 
So, uh, yeah, that's the uh, Draymond situation. Yeah. All right. Before we move on to the drama draft, the Bulls and Knicks have each played one game. Do you want to come up with a a wager for this year? Sure. Last year, we had two bets. One was about fantasy basketball. I I was victorious in the playoffs, but that was not the bet. The bet was Mm -hmm. who has a better fantasy season. Shubes had a dominant fantasy season. And by doing so, I cooked him uh, a meal, a, a nice salmon dinner. It was very tasty. Very, very, very tasty. But Mike did bring beer because he's a, he's a class act. But uh, <laughs> the other bet was who had a better record between the Bulls and the Knicks. I won that bet. I still have not uh, cashed in on that. We'll have to do I that know. at some point. Yep, yep. I, I won't go so far as to like make you wear a Bulls jersey to a, a Bulls-Knicks game, but we'll, we'll figure out a fun time to do it. Maybe at a live show. Who can say? Ooh. Do we want to just do a regular season record bet Bulls Knicks and just make that the meal? What's the what's the play this year? Here's what I think we do for the two. We can do specifically because there's three Bulls and Knicks games and it's unfortunate Ooh. that they are all in the same two week span it's around the holidays. So yeah. we're not going to be able to go to them. At least I won't be able to go to them. Yeah. They play in Chicago on the 14th of December and then the 16th of December. And then they go to New York and they play on December 23rd. I will be in New Zealand for two of them and Texas for one of them. <laughs> so I will not be able to attend them. I think we could do a bet of specifically Bulls and Knicks head to head since there are three games. Okay. So we could do one bet of who does better when the teams go head to head. And then we could do a bet of who does better between our two teams across the entire season. Okay, that's fair. Uh, what are the bets? I think cooking meals is always a fun one. I'm not giving you a foot massage, all right? Let's just get that out of the way. I was thinking it could have like <laughs> one has to take the other on like what would be like traditionally a date. And then <laughs> and then and then they 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 gotta foot the bill. So like they gotta plan like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna walk the high line. We'll get, you know, <laughs> pumpkin spice lattes. A friend date. I like yeah. That. Oh, how about this? Whoever's team does better over the course of the season has to pay for it within, you know, within like financial reason, whoever's team does better in the uh, head to head thing has to plan it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I think, I think I I get where you're coming from. Uh, All right. I I'm, I'm willing to agree to these terms. Okay. So to recap, whoever does better between the Knicks and the Bulls in those three games in December, the loser has to plan the friend date. And then over the course of the entire season, whoever's team has the better record, they have to pay for the the friend date. Now, I feel this could be impacted by who wins both of those. You know what I mean? Like if I'm planning something that you're paying for, I'm going to plan something extravagant. We're going we're sitting courtside at a game. Now we'll set we'll set a, a money. We should limit. yeah we'll set like a maximum money limit, <laughs> an agreeable money. <laughs> well, I don't limit. I don't have super max money. Let's let's be clear. <laughs> Okay, I like the bets. I think that's fun. And I think now we can get into our very special NBA drama draft. Yeah, let's do it. Tis the season. So for anyone unaware, basically Adam and I are going to draft every single team in the NBA. I will take note of them and we will go through every single team based on pretty much who we think is going to cause the most drama. That is very open to interpretation. There's no one way to define drama. We will explain our picks and we'll just kind of see who we think is going to be the most dramatic. So for all of you listeners who don't necessarily care about the sport, you just care about the spiciness and the beef and all that kind of stuff, we are here to be your guide. So I don't remember which of us had the first pick last year. I think we just uh, RPS for it. Do we just rock, paper, scissors again? Let's do that. All right. Rock, Rock, paper, paper, scissors, shoot. Ah, you have gone rock. I have gone scissors. You get the first pick. I have vanquished you. I've been defeated. And with the first pick in the 2022-2023 NBA drama draft, 
I have no choice but to pick the Los Angeles Lakers. Correct. Who Correct. Got absolutely shellacked in their opening game. Uh, there's a lot of talk of like, oh, last year was an anomaly. They're going to be good this year. Based on one game, they look horrible. Now, did they play the reigning champions on the road? Of course. And that never goes well for people. But man, I, I just tweeted this from the horse account, but it's it was already chaotic in Los Angeles. Russell Westbrook is being called Russell Westbrook by fans both in Los Angeles and elsewhere. Uh, and then you add <laughs> Patrick Beverly to the mix, which I think Patrick Beverly is a great player. I think in the right circumstance, like we saw in, in Minnesota last year, he can be a huge asset to a team. But he's also someone who comes with a certain amount of drama and to me, I feel like adding Patrick Beverly to that Lakers team, it's like you just made a Long Island iced tea, and then you're like, you know what this could use? Some Everclear. Mm -hmm. It is highly combustible. Uh, I think it has a potential to get very ugly. And I also think that Lakers fans have a certain expectation of how their team is going to do year in, year out. Not dissimilar from the Yankees. It's like any year that the Lakers are not competing for a championship feels like a failure. And uh, I mean, what did they lose by 30 points? Not to mention that LeBron was like goofing around with Draymond while they're getting blown out. Like it was, it's all very strange. Mm -hmm. And I, I feel like it's going to be a long year in Los Angeles. The other key, I'm surprised that this happened on game one, but the Lakers are also in a situation where I believe they have two very, very future first round picks that they mm -hmm. are able to trade. And these are highly coveted because the Lakers certainly will be very bad when those picks come up. It's like 2027 or something like that. Maybe 2029 as well. I don't know if you can trade that far out, but it's a time where the Lakers are going to be very bad because they've traded away a lot of their future assets. So a team that is not trying to win the championship this year would be highly incentivized to try to trade for those picks because they'll be great in a couple of years. Right. LeBron knows this. He wants the Lakers to use those picks to trade for someone better because you're LeBron, you're a little older. When you've got LeBron on the team, you try to win now, you don't care about the future. LeBron already used a press conference to say that we don't have a lot of shooters on the team and we need to bring more in. So he's very much trying to strong arm the front office into making some sort of a trade. So it's... It, there's going to be so much drama all around the Westbrook stuff, the LeBron stuff. Anthony Davis has been the least efficient jump shooter for the past two seasons. Like, and he's made of glass, <laughs> yeah, like kind of going under the radar that he's supposed to be this amazing player and he hasn't been very good. So it's yeah, it's the right pick. Number one, no question at all. Right. For number two, I am going to go over to the Eastern Conference and pick one that has already had a whole lot of drama it's the Boston Celtics. And unfortunately, some of this drama does revolve around the Ime Udoka situation, which we've already talked about in a previous episode, but that's gonna contribute to the drama. I also think when you have a team that has high expectations like the Celtics do, mm -hmm. they made it to the finals and their team is still basically the same. They probably have high aspirations for what the team is and all of the preseason predictions are that they're going to be very, very good. And I just think when you have high expectations, there's a high transfer drama. Marcus Smart is always a question mark of is he going to do something on the court or say something to the press that causes some sort of drama. There's the Robert Williams injury situation where during last playoffs, they told him that if he played, it wouldn't worsen his knee injury. And then now he had to get a procedure done and he's missing the beginning of the season. Yeah. The Celtics have a history of this. They did the same thing with Isaiah Thomas, the good one, a couple of years ago. Right. So I think there's just a lot of potential drama. They have this new interim coach in the mix. Mm -hmm. There's lots of stuff going on where I think the Celtics 
are going to be a dramatic team to watch this year. Yeah, I think you're not wrong. I mean, I'm, I'm hoping for their sake that removing Udoka from the team will at least alleviate some of that drama. And they did look very good in, in the first game. They obviously have an incredibly talented team, but uh, yeah, I, I had them pretty high on my list as well. So I think that's a good pick. Moving on uh, with the third pick in the drama draft, I'm going with the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. Uh, because yeah. <laughs> when, when are they not dramatic? I mean, as I told you, if, if there is a new pandemic, we already know Kyrie's not getting vaccinated. We were coming off an offseason during which Kevin Durant requested a trade, but the Nets were unable to move him because their ask was too high. Uh, and now we head into a season having absolutely no idea what to expect from Ben Simmons. Uh, people are already clowning on him for a... <laughs> we'll, we'll post a, a link to this video, but there was like a thing held outside of the Barclays Center where all the Nets came out and fans were surrounding them and it was like a hype-up event. And they had a little hoop out there. And Simmons, who just should know better than to even set himself up to be made fun of, took a jump shot that missed to the left by like two feet, like just fully missed the basket altogether. Yeah. Yeah. Even even without notable grumpy boy James Harden in the mix, I, I just feel like the Nets are always ripe for drama. And uh, it, it's hard for me to imagine there not being some sort of histrionics there. Totally agreed. Totally agreed. And the thing you're talking about is one of the things that, unfortunately, I have to give it to the Nets. It's very cool. They do one practice a year at Brooklyn Bridge Park at those basketball courts that are like on the pier. Ah, that's very And it's cool. open to the public. Super cool. And this goes back to our idea that we have talked about in the past, which is that the Yankees should play one game a year in Central Park. <laughs> I think they should play a game in Central Park once it a year. Really I think cool. it would be so yeah. cool. It would be so yeah. cool. Now, for the number four pick, I am going to go with the Phoenix Suns. Ah, <laughs> they were up next on my on my power rankings. Like the Nets were my number three. So yeah. I think the Suns are similar to the Celtics in that they have very high expectations. They're on a bit of a ticking time clock in that Chris Paul isn't getting any younger. And he had some disappointing injury stuff going on last season. They have the whole DeAndre Ayton thing where he signed his extension, but it didn't seem like he was happy about it because it was a restricted free agency, which is when another team can sign you to a contract, but then your previous team can say, no, we'll pay that. You have to stay. That usually doesn't equal good vibes. Yeah. The coach and... DeAndre Ayton don't seem to get along based on what happened in the playoffs last year. They had such a humiliating exit from the playoffs against the Mavericks last season. So there's just a lot going on. They have very high expectations. And it's one of those things where people are starting to wonder now, did the Suns blow it because they had these past two years and, and NBA windows for title contention mm -hmm. can be really short. And sometimes the window closes. Yeah, I think if they don't do really well this year, People are going to wonder, oh, did we miss our golden opportunity? And they'll have to shake up the team. There's also the Jay Crowder situation going on where Jay Crowder was the, say, fifth starter. So the mm -hmm. least important of the starting five. And they have a young player, Cam Johnson, who played really well last year. He really improved a whole heck of a lot. He may have even gotten into the finalist three for most improved player. He really improved. And he is now going to be the starter. And the Suns told Jay Crowder this. And he very often on Twitter and on Instagram tweeted slash posted slash commented about how unhappy he was. Yeah. And he basically said, if I'm not starting, I don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. And no team has traded for him yet. So he's still on the Suns. He hasn't reported to any sort of practice or training right. camp or anything like that. It's a weird situation. Like, I can understand the grumpiness around Jay. But I also don't understand doing that because, I don't know. 
people get injured all the time. Right. <laughs> like just just stick around. I don't, it's it's confusing. It's dramatic. I think the Suns are going to have a lot of storylines around them. Yeah. Other than the Crowder stuff, which I hadn't even touched on, that's like almost word for word exactly what I would have said about the Suns. And and I think you're totally right. I think when you get that close, especially being up two nothing in the finals, and then losing four straight games like I, I think mm-hmm. they may have missed their window here especially with all the unrest um I mean from from Suns in four to where they are right now is quite a fall from grace and uh mm-hmm. I, I don't know I think they should be uh renamed to the Phoenix Icaruses because I, I I see the I see those wings starting to melt you know what I mean the Phoenix sunsets yeah that <laughs> even better uh all right my next pick which why be is the, f- the dance team not called the sunsets come on oh fuck <laughs> that is good we need to stop this recording and write a letter not not an email a handwritten cursive letter that's unbelievable i think it's because the suns have one of the cool co-op hip-hop dance teams i'd have to go back and watch our replay which you can buy at horsesoups.com slash merch of our nba dance team wow breakdown. that's really good <laughs> All right, I believe we're on the fifth pick. Is that correct? Yes. All right, with the fifth pick, and honestly, this is like the most bummer of a pick, but it's necessary. Uh, I'm going with the Charlotte Hornets, and it has oh, nothing to do yeah. with Gordon Hayward's terrible haircut, although it's not helping. The Hornets are a, a real gridiron gang of a team, and I say that because they have already lost Miles Bridges uh, after some truly, truly heinous behavior, mm-hmm. uh, which for anyone who's unaware involved in absolutely atrocious domestic violence charge. Uh, to be more clear, and this is me giving you all a trigger warning, so feel free to jump ahead 30 or 45 seconds. Miles Bridges has been charged with one felony count of injuring a child's parent and two felony counts of child abuse after allegedly assaulting his wife in front of their two children. And this is where it gets like really upsetting. According to the hospital record, This included assault by strangulation, brain concussion, closed fracture of a nasal bone, contusion of rib, multiple bruises, and a neck muscle strain. The fact that the Hornets haven't cut this guy is fucking disgusting. Uh, I know that we're supposed to let legal proceedings play out, and I get that. If these allegations are true, which they very much appear to be, it is hard to overstate how truly awful a person Miles Bridges is. Uh, He should never play in the league again. I don't know that he should be a part of society again. But with his legal proceedings already underway, less than a week ago, fellow Charlotte Hornet teammate James Booknight uh, was found passed out in his car with a handgun on his lap, which I should mention is actually legal in North Carolina, so that wasn't part of the charges. But He was arrested for a DUI after parking attendants were unable to wake him up after trying for over an hour, like he was that level of intoxicated. He's not necessarily a huge part of Charlotte's team, but the -the off-the-court drama is uh, is really starting to add up here uh, in a way that is pretty troubling. So I uh, sadly have the the Hornets at number five. Yeah, the only thing I would hope for why the Hornets haven't cut bridges is I wonder if there is some sort of thing in the contract where if someone is found guilty of whatever crime, you know, I don't know what the rules, but like, I'm sure there's something in the contract where it's like, if you do something super bad and you get arrested, you are, you know, avoid the contract. Right. And I wonder if it's something where like, if they waive him first, they, they wait, like, I'm not sure if the Hornets have made some sort of statement about it, but I bet they're just kind of like waiting until the legal proceedings. But I don't think that if, if they are hoping this guy plays again for them, I would be shocked but i i agree with you i don't think you should play the only yeah the only other rationale i could think of that would be the most positive way to look at it would be that like if by keeping him under contract that means that his wife gets more money you know moving that forward. would be great Obviously, yeah, yeah, that yeah. Would be a good thing but um yeah charlotte hornet's not not looking so good i i don't know how they're going to be as a team this year i feel like they'll be 
Nah. Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to be particularly great. Right. Now, for the number six pick, I am going to go surprisingly high, but I think given their offseason, it makes sense. I'm going to go with the Minnesota Timberwolves. Okay. Just because they made a huge, huge, huge trade for Rudy Gobert, trading away lots of picks and players and young players. If they aren't good, right, it's going to be really bad because... Yeah, they're pushing their chips in. Exactly. They made an all-in type move. And if it's not working out, they're going to have to figure something out, especially because in this past season, they made the playoffs and Carl Anthony Towns did not play super well in the playoffs. He's supposed to be their star player. Anthony Edwards is playing very good basketball, which is good for him. I would hope he gets better about not saying homophobic stuff on social media. Hopefully he can drop that trend. Mm-hmm. But if Towns isn't looking good, they might have to try to reassess like, all right, do we shape the team around Anthony Edwards? Uh-oh, Rudy Gobert is significantly older than Anthony Edwards. So right. I think this is purely just a, they've made a big trade to try to swing for the fences. And if they're not significantly better than they were last year, it's going to be a tough look because they pretty much mortgaged the future to get Rudy Gobert. Mm -hmm. And if that doesn't work, they're going to have to really kind of reassess. Yeah. And maybe do something like the Nets did where, you know, they traded away a whole bunch to get James Harden. It didn't work out. So then they had to trade James Harden for some future stuff so that they weren't completely screwed Mm -hmm. later down the road. If things don't work out with Gobert, they might have to try to trade him or Towns to try and readjust and reassess their situation. Well, to hearken back to one of our earliest episode titles when I joined the podcast, it's a real go bear or go home sort of situation here. Honestly, correct. All right. Well, with the seventh pick in the drama draft, I am going with the Philadelphia 76ers. Now, theoretically, this should be a great time for the 76ers. Frankly, it's a great time to be a Philadelphia sports fan in general, which which pains me to my core. But as of this recording, the Phillies are three games away from the World Series. The Eagles are undefeated. The Flyers are off to a three and one start. And the 76ers uh, believe they have a good enough team to compete for a championship. But it's a little bit like the Suns, where after getting so, so, so close in 2019, where they were a basketball bounce away from an overtime that could have gotten them to the finals, I'm of course referring to Kawhi Leonard's dramatic Game 7 buzzer beater, the Sixers just haven't been able to get back to that level. Obviously, last year they traded for James Harden. They're they're clearly an all-in sort of team. And I feel like this is a year where if they underachieve, Philly fans may have finally hit their limit. Uh, and, And I'm curious to see how that plays out. Also, they are so, so, so reliant on Embiid that if he doesn't have the kind of dominant year that he had last year, or if there's any sort of injury, uh, I feel like that could unravel things pretty quickly. Yeah, for sure. I also think it's very fun that the 76ers were pick number seven in the draft. Look at it go. So for number eight, I'm going to pick, similar to my Minnesota pick, I'm going to go with the Atlanta Hawks because they also made a semi-all-in chips trade to get the Spurs superstar DeJounte Murray. DeJounte Murray had a very great season last season. He was essential to my fantasy team being very good. He played great, but he was in a situation where he kind of ran the offense. He had the ball in his hands the whole time. He is now on a team where Trey Young kind of does that. Mm-hmm. But it seems like they're going to be able to stagger where anytime Trey sits, DeJounte would be in. So hopefully that kind of stuff will be okay. But again, similar thing with the Timberwolves. When you make a big trade and you are kind of committing to this situation working, if it doesn't work out, it's going to be ugly, especially because of the way his contract situation works. I think he has one more year after the season left on his deal, Mm -hmm. and then he would be eligible for a very, very big contract, and someone's going to give it to him, and if it's not working out by that time, 
it would be bad for the Hawks to trade away some future assets, have a guy for two years, and then it's not working out, and then he signs somewhere else. Because part of that trade, part of the reason why you give up a lot is you think you'll get him, and then you'll sign him for a longer time, so you won't just have him for two years. Mm -hmm. But if it doesn't work out, that could be pretty dramatic. And I think the Hawks are kind of like in a similar situation of the Knicks where they had a surprisingly good year two years ago where they made it into the playoffs, they beat the Knicks, they had that incredible series against the Sixers, but then the next season, so last year, they underwhelmed. Now this season, they're like, all right, let's try to you know get back up. Mm -hmm. And I think if they don't get back up, that's gonna be bad. But it's just hard because the East is really good this year. So East is very good this year. I think it's gonna be tough, but I think if the Hawks are in the play-in tournament, which they are projected to be, they might mm -hmm. be disappointed because it would be surprising. You would think, oh, we traded for DeJounte Murray. We should be great. Well, and a lot of the East teams got really good too. So I think that could cause some drama. Right. Especially after overachieving a couple of years ago to get to the conference finals. Mm -hmm. Once you do well once, the expectations are there. Totally. Alrighty. With the ninth pick in the drama draft, I am going with the Nolans Pelicans. And the mm. reason I'm going with the Pels is for one reason and one reason alone. I don't think Zion wants to be there long-term. Oh, really? Oh, you think it's all a fake what he said this offseason? I kind of do. I, I, I could be wrong, and, and there's okay. probably no reason for me to speculate that that is the case. But I, I do still kind of feel like he's destined to end up in a bigger market, and I feel like it, it's one of those things where the Pelicans should be good this year. They should like, be. Like, I don't think they'll be competing for a championship, but they've got a full season of CJ McCollum. They've got Brandon Ingram, who is really coming into his own. And obviously, uh, with a healthy Zion, I, I think they certainly can compete. I have them as, like, uh, maybe five or six seed in the West. Like, I think they could be that high. Maybe that's, that's overstating it a bit. But I think that if things go awry and they don't play well, I wouldn't be surprised if there are some, some rumblings about Zion backtracking on his desire to be in New Orleans. It's purely speculative on my part, but it's just something that I, I have a hunch about. No, yeah, for sure. I, I I think drama around Zion is a potential. He's got high expectations as well. They just gave him a really big contract. Yeah, everything could blow up like uh, that Nike shoe of his when he was in college. That's true. So hopefully it all works out. I think the Pelicans will be fun this year. So I'm, I'm rooting for them to be good. But if yeah. they are bad, you know, New York's a really big market, Zion. You could come to New York City. I did also, and there are probably way too many of these videos out there, but I saw a video, um, you've seen these before, where people like put side-to-side -side images of like Michael Jordan doing something and then another player doing mm -hmm. it, of Brandon Ingram modeling his game off of Kobe. And it was Ooh. unbelievable. Like the way that it was edited, it they were like cutting in between images where it looked like all one play, but it was back and forth between Kobe and Ingram. Um, I'll, I'll post a link to it, but it was it was particularly cool. And I cannot imagine the amount of effort it took to make it. That's fun. I'm excited to see it. Okay, so now I'm moving on to the number 10 pick in the drama draft. I am going to go with the Los Angeles Clippers. Mm -hmm. They are a team that I think for the past couple of years have slipped under the radar a little bit because of injury concerns. But this is kind of the first season where everybody should be back and good to go. Kawhi Leonard coming off an ACL injury from not these past playoffs, but the previous playoffs. And then Paul George had his weird shoulder injury where he was out for way longer than people expected last year. Mm -hmm. They also have brought John Wall into the mix, who was just kind of in the freezer on the Rockets because they didn't want to play him and he, and he only wanted to start. So he hasn't played for a while. There's going to be an interesting situation there where they have like a really good team. They're very deep, but these 
players haven't played a lot together because of, you know, injury concerns and trades and all this kind of stuff. So it's one of those on paper, they should be great, Mm -hmm. but games aren't played on paper. So I think they are, uh, again, another expectations thing, especially because they've got these two stars. Anytime you have stars that are getting a little up there in age, you get into win now mode, yep. do they make a panic trade? I just think if the Clippers aren't as good as they expect to be, it could get a little antsy because they see the time ticking down right. on the window of Kawhi Leonard and Paul George being premier talents in the league. Yeah, and I, I would very much put them in that same category of like, did they miss their window? Yeah, totally. All right, I think that's a good pick. Um, With the next pick, honestly, I can't believe they've fallen this far. This is the 11th pick. Uh, I, I have to go with the Warriors. I mean, yeah, I, okay, I, I yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. going to be very good. Um, it goes without saying that they're going to be a, a very solid team, and, and I think they should compete for another championship. But I'm, I'm curious to see how much the preseason drama bleeds into the regular season between Green and uh, and Jordan Poole. Um, I kind of have a feeling that it won't that much. Um, I think they, they're all united by their desire to repeat and be a very good team. But uh, I, I still I still think there there could be some drama afoot, specifically between Green and Poole because Poole is starting to be like one of the guys. And I think if, if Green starts to feel less and less like he is part of that core group, especially moving forward, as you alluded to in full court press, um, I could see him getting saltier and saltier. And uh, I don't know if that impacts how he plays on the floor. I don't know if that impacts any of the off the court stuff. I don't know if he uh, goes against their wishes and starts talking shit on the podcast. But I, I do feel like there's there's the potential for for a bit of drama there. Yeah, I think it's a good pick. I am going to, with the number 12 pick, select the Dallas Mavericks Okay, because they've got Luka, a star player who is incredible. And they've tried to do some trades to put stars around him. Lol, remember when people were making fun of the Knicks for trading Kristaps Porzingis? Uh-huh. <laughs> so that didn't work out really well. They've been able to get some solid pieces around him, but... There's also some front office stuff that didn't go so well, like Jalen Brunson was a big part of their team last year, and they didn't offer him a big contract extension, and then he played really well and said, bye. So it's going to be an interesting situation of, do the Mavs have enough stuff around Luka? Mm -hmm. Does he get into the disgruntled star territory of, all right, you know, I've given my effort here, I've given my time here, you're not putting a team around me. Look at these other teams that do stuff around their big stars, like the Sixers, to their credit. They had the similar situation of like, who else is around Embiid? And they just kind of made as many moves as possible, even if some of them are currently under investigation by the league uh, for mm-hmm. whether or not they violated tampering rules. They put in the effort. And yeah. if Luca thinks that the Mavs aren't doing the same for him, he might get grumpy. And when your team revolves around one guy and that guy wants to leave, that's rough. So mm-hmm. I, that could, I think it could be some drama. I think they're going to be good purely because Luca is very good. But yeah. If if it doesn't go well, I think he could get angry. I tell you, no one brings more drama when they don't get a foul call than Luka Doncic. Uh, if he wouldn't whine and stuff, he would be so much more enjoyable. It truly is a shame. It is. He should be such a joy to watch. But the complaining about fouls is so uninteresting. Yeah. All right. With the unlucky 13th pick in the drama draft, and it genuinely pains me to make this pick, I am going with my beloved Chicago Bulls. Um, oh. and, and it's really based in, in one thing and one thing alone. 
uh, their health. Zach okay. Levine, mm-hmm. who had some knee issues last year, never quite got back to 100%, signed a Supermax extension in the offseason for $215.2 million, which I'm told is a lot, <laughs> and missed the opening game. I believe he's missing the second game as well for what they called like knee management. But again, it's not management. It's management in April. It's not management right now when you're starting mm-hmm. the season. That is uh, deeply distressing to me. And then you have Lonzo Ball, who initially, he hurt his knee last year. And at the time, they were like, oh, we think he'll be out like four to six weeks. And then they kept pushing it and pushing it and pushing it. Oh, we think he'll be back for the playoffs. Then they ruled him out for the playoffs. And then after a whole offseason, it was revealed recently that he had some sort of nerve damage that was preventing his knee from healing properly. They think they've finally figured it out. But again, it's still very troubling And he's a huge part of the Bulls. And when he went down, there was a direct line you could draw between how well the Bulls started and how poorly they played in the second half, losing him and losing Caruso, who who are two of the best defensive players that the Bulls have. If Lonzo Ball is not healthy and if Zach Levine is not healthy, DeRozan's an amazing player and and the Bulls do have some other pieces. But like the ceiling for them, unless they're 100 percent, is like a play-in team. And I think even if they are 100%, the ceiling is still not championship, but I do think that they could at least like not be a play-in. I, I think they could be like a, between like a four and six seed in, in the East, but you know, it's a big market. Bulls fans are are hungry for a competitive team, especially coming off of last year. And if things don't go well, or if the, the team can't stay healthy, um, I think it might not be as, as fun of a season as I would hope, which is a shame because I have renewed my league pass account. <laughs> Yeah, it's unfortunate. The The injury thing with Alonzo, I think they were saying something like he couldn't walk upstairs or something. Yeah, like, it, it sounds, sounds like really a freak bad. thing that shouldn't be this intense. So hopefully he'll be okay. Yeah. For the number 14 pick, I'm going to go with the Portland Trailblazers because similar to the Mavs and Luka, you've got Dame, you've got some other folks, gave the big contract extension to Anthony Simons after a really good season. But they're just in this weird position of like, what are they doing? Like they're not committing to the tank. I don't think that they are in any position to compete for the title, but they still got Dame. He always talks about being loyal and just staying with Portland his whole career, but there were some rumblings and burblings of him wanting to leave previously. He's had injuries. I just think that that could become dramatic if they play poorly, just because I don't really understand what's going on with their team. And I think they need to, pick a direction and right i i think the more likely one is trying to trade dame and just kind of be bad Mm -hmm. but if dame doesn't want to go he's going to stay and then that just is is weird so i I just think that the potential for weird is high the worst thing you can be is mediocre you know Mm -hmm. mediocre without a trajectory sure and i think that they are very much like right on the path to be run of the mill with no like high future potential. It's better to just commit to the tank. My 15th pick will be the Denver Nuggets. Um, and the rationale is kind of similar to what I said about the Bulls, which is that Jamal Murray is so integral to their success. I think they're very high expectations and rightfully so, uh, knowing that they have Nikola Jokic um, and Jamal Murray theoretically coming back healthy. Um, but if that does not end up being the case, I think Nuggets fans are going to start getting impatient. And and I think actually last year in the drama draft, I had a similar logic, which was like, if Murray seems like he's like mostly ready by the time the playoffs come around 
and there's some calculation of like, do we risk playing him or not? Especially if he's like cleared medically, but doesn't want to risk it. I've seen how that can play out watching Derek Rose all those years when it was like doctors say he can play. He says he's not ready. And there's drama around that. So I hope that's not the case. I think the Nuggets are a super fun team, but uh, I, I am worried about how that's going to work with uh, with Murray coming back. I hope it all works out because I think they have a fun team with nice players and I oh. would love to see them do well. Yeah. And I mean, Bubble Murray was like some of the most fun I've ever had watching basketball. Mm-hmm. So for number 16, I'm going to go with the Memphis Grizzlies because I think that they have fully entered good team, good player, John High superstar status, yeah. high expectations. And I think what's going to start happening is something that I've been early on the train on just because we didn't get to pick John Morant and we were close to and people climbed the Knicks for it. So I looked for weaknesses. John Morant's really bad at defense and people don't talk about it that much. Like right. people do talk about it with other players like Trey Young. They're like, oh, he's great at offense, but terrible at defense. John Morant is like just as bad and they mm-hmm. don't talk about it. But now that he won the most improved player award, which I think was whack. If you're the number two pick in the draft, you should be ineligible from getting <laughs> the most improved player in your third season like yes this is what was supposed to happen right i think that now people previously were like oh the grizzlies they're fun they're young like they put this team together in a cool way which they did and was cool now i think they've gone with like all right the grizzlies aren't cute anymore like the grizzlies are supposed to be good and i think that now people are gonna they ain't cubs no more they're full-on grizzlies no and i think people are gonna get into it and start like picking things apart i think john Moran is going to get superstar treatment which is people really analyzing every aspect of your game and not mm-hmm. just being like oh big dunks and stuff which is what he used to be now it's like oh let's look at the hard analytics and blah 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 blah. so yeah i think that that's going to start happening also the grizzlies are just like a very spicy potentially combustible team like they talk a lot of trash and they've got a lot of players that don't want to back down like desmond bain like they've they trash talked lebron and the lakers before they were like truly established as a good team Mm -hmm. so i think that there's a chance for encore and off court stuff so i think they're potentially very dramatic i think that's a good pick all right with the 17th pick in the drama draft uh, i'm sorry to do it to you but i'm going with your beloved new york neeks understandable uh there's never not drama in new york you know that as well as i do um jalen brunson looked very good last night but i think if he underachieves at all uh people are going to be annoyed and he will fall out of favor but i think more importantly than anything if the Knicks get off to a slow start, I, I very much think that people are going to be calling for Tom Thibodeau's head. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the head coach is always the person to get the axe if a team is underachieving. And as a Bulls fan, I can very much attest to the fact that his style of coaching is only sustainable when things are going well. When things are not, I, I feel like he starts to to get a bit grating on, on players. I do think he's tried to adapt a bit, but perhaps not as much as he should have in terms of like how hard he rides certain players. So... Um, I, my, my rationale for this is mostly around how, how Tibbs status is this year. Yeah, no, I think that's super valid for the 18th pick. I'm going to go with the Sacramento Kings because they are going all in on trying to end their playoff drought and at least make the play in tournament. And when you have your goals set and it's very clear what they are, if you don't achieve the goal, it's going to be a bad look. And I think the Kings are going to be better than people are expecting them to be this year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, for the past couple of years, they've done this thing where they like haven't traded away players at the trade deadline because they're like, no, we want to try to be good. And they made this big trade where they traded away Tyrese Halliburton, a very good young player who wanted to stay in Sacramento. Yeah, like, yes, it was very upsetting. It made him very sad. They traded him to the Pacers and they 
traded him for DeMontis Sabonis, who's good at basketball, but a little older. So they're they're all in on trying to make the play in. And if it doesn't happen, it's just going to be bad. And it's going to be a bad look. People might get fired. Drama. Yeah. All right. Similar rationale for my 19th pick, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers, another team mm-hmm. who made a big investment in the offseason. They traded for Donovan Mitchell, who a lot of people speculated would end up with the Knicks. Uh, but because of that, I think the expectations are pretty high in, in Cleveland. They've got some great young players, uh, Evan Mobley being one of them. Darius Garland as well, of course. So um, I, I actually think they'll be quite good. But if for some reason they are not, uh, I think now that Cleveland's had a little bit of a taste of what it's like to have a, a winning team, uh, I guess it goes back six years now. But uh, the point <laughs> is, I, I think people will expect them to be good. And anytime the expectations increase, the uh, the risk of disappointment increases as well. And uh, that's why I have them at 19. Yeah, they got a taste and then they made a big trade for a very good player. If they're not better, they're going to be like, what the heck? Why did we trade for this very good player? Right. I think that's completely valid yep number 20 i'm gonna pick the miami heat in all caps because technically legally the miami heat spell their official team name in all caps always a fun fact about the miami heat so i'm picking the heat just because jimmy butler is always a source of drama potentially he was having Mm -hmm. fun in the preseason by getting various uh hairstyle changes over the course of the preseason where he had you know like dreadlock extensions Mm -hmm. and funky braid situations going on and he was doing it just to mess with people people were very confused and stuff it was hilarious but jimmy butler always a source of drama and i think again they're a team that they were really good last year and they always like kind of fly under the radar in terms of people not thinking that they're going to be good, but then they're just always really solid. Mm-hmm. I just think it's a situation where Jimmy Butler is getting a little bit older and they've had the same team together for a little bit. Yeah. And if they don't perform, I think there could be some drama there. It's just one of those things where like, if it's not looking good, they might have to make some changes. They brought in Kyle Lowry last year with a big trade and paid him a good chunk of money. And he wasn't great last year. He did have both personal reasons and physical injury reasons why he didn't get to play as many games. Mm -hmm. So hopefully that'll be okay. But it's just a similar thing where team is good. They made a big move. And if the big move doesn't pan out to make the team better, they might have to make some moves and that'll cause some drama. Yeah, I I think that is correct. Now we are into the final third of our draft. We're probably going to speed up here a bit uh, because there's a reason these teams weren't drafted. But with the (laughs) 21st pick in the drama draft, I'm going to keep things in Florida, and I'm going to go with the Orlando Magic only because when you have the number one pick, the expectations for that person are incredibly high. And if Mr. Banchero uh, does not, Banchero, Banchero, I don't even know how to say it. I think it's Banchero. Banchero. If Paolo, let's just say Paolo, (laughs) does not have a great year, I think uh, people always get a little, uh, a little verklempt, a little concerned. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's Mm -hmm. it. That's, that's the whole, that's the whole story. Yeah, no, it's super valid. Shout out to Liz McGuire movie fans out there who can now dramatically say Paolo, uh, just like (laughs) Lizzie does in Italy. Kelly said, woohoo, she heard me in the other room talking about the Liz McGuire movie she's a big fan (laughs) number 22 i'm gonna go with the bucks just in case they're not good Mm -hmm. that would be awful and i think they're gonna be fine because they're a very good team with very good players there is some injury stuff going on like chris middleton is missing the beginning of the year i just a team that's supposed to be really good they can't fall too far in the drama draft i don't think there's a high chance but if they aren't good that's going to be very very bad 
but I don't think it's likely. But right. just because of the potential, I got to pick him. I am going to go with the Utah Jazz for my 23rd pick. Ah. Now, the Jazz are a team who's doing things the right way in terms of like, if you sell off, you might as well just sell everybody off. They have mm-hmm. completely gotten rid of anyone who can play basketball. It's going to be a really <laughs> rough year in Utah. And I think everyone knows that. But I also think that Utah fans have gotten used to following a, a pretty good team for a while now. Um, and I, I just wonder how the fans will deal with watching that shitty of a team. Like, I, I would be curious to see what attendance numbers are like in Utah. Uh, I mm-hmm. would think they're not going to be great. I don't fault the Jazz for doing what they did. Uh, shout out to Brian Windhorst for uh, for calling it all. With those, <laughs> those fingers in the sky. Uh, but why would they do that? Um, so, I, yeah, I, I think the, the Jazz are there just because I, I don't know how the fans are going to deal with a team being absolutely abysmal. Yeah. And the Jazz have truly horrendous jerseys this year. I don't know if we've talked about this in the pod, but they submitted a rebrand thing for their jerseys and then they leaked it. And the fan response was so negative that they tried to retract it, but they missed the deadline. So they have to wear these jerseys for this year. And they're right. hideous. They're absolutely yeah. atrocious. So you got bad jerseys. I think the other thing, because they are trying to tank so badly, if the remaining players on their team happen to play well and they start winning games, that would be devastating. <laughs> so I think the drama is pretty high. Like yeah, if they yeah, start yeah, the yeah. season and they win their first couple of games, it's going to be terrible yeah, <laughs> for that's funny. their goal of getting Victor Wembanyama. Right. right. Now, 24, I'm going to pick the Detroit Pistons. Okay. Similar to the Magic, I think they are a team that doesn't have particularly high expectations in terms of we got to make the playoffs, but they have reached fun, young team that should make a step up from last year. And I think that after two years of absolutely no expectations, there's a little bit more expectations now this year, especially because Cade Cunningham ended the year playing pretty well. He was the number one pick in the previous draft. I think that if they're not doing well and at least showing signs of upward momentum, mm-hmm. that might cause a bit of confusion and, and consternation around the roster. Excellent word. With the 25th pick, I am going with the Oklahoma City Thunder. And the reason I'm going with them is that they are theoretically supposed to be like a couple years ahead of where the Jazz would like to be, where they sell everybody off, they get a bunch of high picks, and then they start using them, and then they see what those players turn into. Unfortunately for the Thunder, their top pick, Chet Holmgren, is out for the entire season and, and suffered what could be like a, a career threatening injury, uh, a, a Lisfranc fracture to his foot, which is a very specific and not so good foot injury. Uh, he's out certainly for the year, could be longer than that. Um, and, you know, Oklahoma City fans got used to watching a pretty amazing team back in the KD Westbrook Harden days. Uh, and it's been a while since they were really competitive. And uh, I, I would think as a as a Thunder fan, it's got to be pretty frustrating where you're like, all right, maybe we'll at least be building towards being competitive again. And now it, it feels very much like that's not going to be the case. The other tricky thing with OKC is they have Shy Gilgis Alexander, who's very good, but is in this weird middle ground of just young enough to potentially be a part of the young core, but also just old enough where if they wanted to trade him off to really go around their young guys, that would also make sense. So I right. think there could be drama around there, especially because they've just actively tanked the past couple of years, mm-hmm. very much giving Shy Gilgis Alexander these pretend injuries like oh sore left foot for three months and right. i feel like he is gonna want to play some basketball and if they try to shut him down he might get pissed so i think that's valid i think you're right for number 26 i probably should have taken these folks higher but i'm gonna go with the washington wizards just because they are similar to the blazers in that they've kind of gone all in on this team and they gave a huge contract extension to bradley beal 
but I don't think that they're particularly good. So if they're bad, I, Bradley Beal, like he's always said he just wants to stay. So it doesn't seem like it, but he's always the one in rumors of like, oh, is he mm-hmm. going to be the one that wants his way out? It doesn't seem like he does. But I think this is very much mimicking what I said about the Blazers, where they've got one guy, they got some other folks. But if it goes poorly, maybe he does ask out or at the very least, people will speculate it. And even if he doesn't want it, that will cause enough drama. Right. Yeah. And it could be like what I said about Zion before, where it's like, yeah, he signed the max deal and it seems like he wants to be there. But uh, it's not always easy to stick around on a team that's kind of rudderless and and doesn't know what they're doing. So um, right. I, c- I could see that becoming an issue. But Bradley Beal is an incredible player. Yeah. With the 27th pick in the drama draft, I'm going with the Indiana Pacers because I feel kind of similar about them that I do the Wizards where I'm like, what what are you exactly? Um, and I think that, uh, you know, Indiana is a state in which basketball is paramount. It is called the Hoosier State. People love their basketball there. Um, I think there there is often not a lot of patience for uh, bad basketball. And I don't know that the Pacers are going to be particularly good. So um, that's it's really as simple as that. Uh, maybe you can shed some light on it, but like I don't know what the Pacers approach is. And that's never great. The Pacers are in a spot right now where they definitely want to tank and just focus on young guys and stuff. But they do have two older guys, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, who are pretty good that are appealing to contending teams. So I think that they are very much like, wait until a team really wants these two guys. And hopefully we're not good enough where we're out of the tanking thing. But similarly to the Jazz, if they start playing really well, they might kind of be like, all right, we got to get these guys out of here right? <laughs> so that we can just be bad and focus on our young guys like Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin and, and these younger folks. So I think that they have a similar thing where like they're kind of waiting to hopefully make a good trade. Right. But if they start playing really well, they might be like, all right, get out of here, guys. You're going against (laughs) what we're trying to do here. Yeah. Yeah. For the number 28 pick in the drama draft, I am I'm torn between the remaining teams. It's just the 28 pick, so I don't have to think about it too hard. I will go with the Toronto Raptors. I think they are very low just because they've got not huge expectations. They've got Scotty Barnes. Mm-hmm. He won Rookie of the Year. That's got expectations to it. I think they're in a spot where they're not necessarily in title contention, but they're kind of in the direction of like, do we make a move and trade away some stuff to try to win now? Or do we think that's not going to happen and we try to trade away more towards the future? And I think just being in that position is always tricky. And it really comes down to how does the season go? Mm-hmm. So depending on how their season goes, I think that will determine it. And that just is cause for drama. Yeah. Well, evidently, other than Dallas, there is no drama in Texas because the two remaining teams are the two Texas teams we haven't spoken about yet. Mm -hmm. I'm going to go for the penultimate pick, the 29th pick, with the Houston Rockets, Mm -hmm. uh, mainly because I think this is a year where you want to be seeing guys develop. And if people don't develop as they are hoped to develop, there's going to be some disappointment there. I think, obviously, Jalen Green is incredibly talented. We talked about Shangoon earlier, uh, both in the good and bad. Like, he might be good for both my good fantasy team and your bad fantasy team. Who can say? Um, but obviously, the Rockets are, are hoping to get back, much like the Thunder. Like, they're hoping to get back to a point where, at least in a few years, they can compete. And if it seems like things are just stalling, uh, I feel like there could be some frustration there. Definitely. And as anticipated, I... Cannot agree with this pick more. The San Antonio Spurs as the least dramatic team in the league because (laughs) they have one goal and that's to be but. (laughs) And I think Mm -hmm. they are incredibly well suited to be quite but this year. (laughs) They're going to be so (laughs) bad. They are like some of these other teams that are 
just trying to tank, focus on the young guys. They've got some fun young guys. So I don't think it's necessarily going to be like atrocious basketball to watch. I just don't think that they're going to be particularly good. Unlike some of these other teams we talked about, they don't have anybody that they really like need to trade in order to be bad. They got rid of DeJounte Murray, who like kind of was the whole focal point of their team. Right. So I think that they're going to be perfectly bad. The only potential drama I think would be twofold. One, if Pop just wills this team to be really good because he's such a good coach. Like, yeah. Who's yeah. to say? And then also just with the pop of it all, like there could be speculation about when he's going to retire. Is this his last year? The, it's never really clear what his end timeline is. People keep thinking like, oh, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. Who really knows? So I don't think they're going to be particularly dramatic. I think they've just got like a fun young team that's going to be bad and it'll be interesting to see how some of their young folks develop and they're going to be well suited to be in the position to get one of the top two picks, which is what they want. So I don't think it's going to be pretty dramatic. They are already where some of these teams want to be from day one, which will help them. Yep. Well, I think we did it. We did it. That's the drama draft. Thanks for listening to this episode of Forest Horses, hosted by Adam Amawala and Mike Schubert. Our editor is Mike Schubert. The music is by Bettina Campomanes. The website is by Kelly Schubert. The art is by Alison Wakeman. And the social media is by both of the Horse Boys. Thank you to our producer-level patrons, Polly Burge, Kendra Hadley, Salvatore Testa, Trust the Process, Siobhan Ellsbury, He Sells Seashells, Don't Go Chasing Taco Falls, Bang, Bang, Long-Suffering Timberwolves fan, Rose Beef Debris, Cade the Conqueror, Basketball is Life 2, Mikhail Loves Allison, Denver Steam Nuggets, Anna Borjali, Weird Questions, Steph Curry, Thor Free, Bang. <laughs> Lobster Bisquay, Hi Trish, Ginger Spurs Boy, and Nicole Arsenault. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Horse Hoops and on Twitter at Horse underscore Hoops because... Horse Hoops is the person who gave Gordon Hayward that haircut. Had to ban him from Twitter. I mean, that, that should be the least of the punishment for that haircut. <laughs> Uh, go to our website, horsehoops.com, for links to some of the fun stuff we talked about today, uh, including Brandon Ingram looking unmistakably like Kobe Bryant in a way that was kind of surprising to me. Mm-hmm. And if you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash horsehoops. We've got jerseys. We've got stickers. We've got audio extras and video extras. My five on five will be up soon. I'm sorry. I am I'm a little behind. I am so behind on five on fives. I need to have a day where I just sit in a room and I do five on fives for an entire day. I will do this. <laughs> I am so far back on those. You can check out all the fun bonus stuff at patreon.com slash horsehoops. You can have your name read in every episode or at least in one episode if you need the shout out tier. Bunch of fun stuff there. Now, we are going to close out this episode by saying something on the count of three. I mean, the NBA is back. I, I feel like yeah. just celebrating the NBA being back, maybe in lieu of the SNL Tim Robinson Jason Sudeikis skit, we just say buh, 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 basketball on the count of three. Are we going to say it or sing it? Oh, I think we just say it because singing it with lag would be tough. You're not wrong, but I think I'm going to try. All right, here we go. One, two, three. Ba-ba-ba-ba-ba-basketball, and we're going to dribble the ball and then pass it and dunk it. <laughs> I mean, it doesn't even make sense without the lyrics. You, you need the lyrics. It's it's so good. Gosh, what a sketch. What a sketch. We'll link to it in the episode page. <laughs> 